Asian Hustle Network is proudly partnering with Lexus to host a podcast series for Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. We'll feature leaders and creators in the community whose contributions inspire us, like content creator and entrepreneur Eileen Xu, who will discuss how she empowers people to embrace their true potential and create their dream life. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. Today, we have a very special guest with us. Her name is Eileen Xu. Eileen is a content creator and entrepreneur at Lavender, empowering people to embrace their true potential and create their dream life. Her YouTube channel, Lavender, has over 1.6 million subscribers. Her podcast, The Lavender Lifestyle, has over 7 million downloads. Lavender also offers a stationary line, including the top-selling Artist of Life workbook and weekly reset planner. Eileen, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Of course. Uh, listen to those numbers and how far you come. I'm so proud of you. For our listeners, Eileen and I actually know each other from undergrad. Like, I don't want to date ourselves like 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> a lifetime ago. I was a different version of myself then, and you, I'm sure you were too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've done so much in the last 10 years, right? And I've been personally lucky enough to been following along, along your journey the entire way. And I want to hear your story, right? Like we, yeah. we listen to your podcasts, we listen to your interviews, but Asian Hustle Network, we want to know more about you. Tell us about yourself. Wow. Where do I start? Okay. I guess I'll, I mean, I'll start from brief childhood. Okay. So growing up Asian American household, I am Chinese American. My dad is from Shanghai, like, so he came here from China. My mom is a Vietnamese refugee, so Chinese, but born in Vietnam. So she speaks Cantonese. My dad speaks Mandarin. So I kind of have both sides of that Chinese in me. Growing up, I was like the ambitious girl. For some reason, I was the achiever. I, I'm the older child. I have a younger brother. So I have the older sibling, you know, the tendencies of taking on the responsibility in your family, being the golden child. And then my younger brother was more like, I think he, he went into the role of like, not lazy, but like class clown, didn't do well in school. Like he, he kind of wanted to own his own repertoire because I was already excelling in school. I was good at piano. And like, I, I think I grew up getting a, really used to like approval and praise from my parents, family and peers. And that is kind of like a positive feedback loop that actually is not very healthy, right? Because you, you begin to train your brain to crave positive feedback and approval and love attention from other people. Um, that, that's a whole, that's the deeper, I guess, thread that goes through everything. And I'm sure a lot of Asian, Asian Americans can relate to that. But yeah, so I, I was always into music and piano. I love to sing, but I kept it a secret. I didn't tell my friends that I like to sing. I was really shy growing up. I, I was a, you know, I'm an introvert wallflower type growing up. And then fast forward, I ended up going to college at USC. And around that time, actually the year before senior year of high school was when I s decided to start a YouTube channel singing and playing piano. And this is the era 2007, 2008, where a lot of people were doing cover cover songs on YouTube. And it was like a renaissance because I was like, wow, I didn't know people could just post themselves online. And I heard like this girl who was just a nobody, Marie Digby, she just posted a cover of a Rihanna song, Umbrella. And then a few months later, I hear it on the radio. And I'm like, wow, the possibilities like this girl just posted it online and now it's on the radio. And that really inspired me to start doing that myself. And so I started posting singing videos, didn't tell any of my friends. <laughs> and it was the kind of thing where people started finding out like this girl in band was like, 
Eileen, I think I saw your video on YouTube. Do you sing? And, and then I, you know, eventually the secret was out, right? So eventually I had to own up to it. Like, yes, I have, I have videos on YouTube. And back then it was weird. You know, you're, I don't, it was just different. No one was really doing it at that time. But, but YouTube really helped build my confidence because like I said, I was super shy. I don't know. I didn't know how to show my real self to, to even my closest friends, but YouTube was my outlet to be my real self, show my real passions. And then, if, you know, friends could find me through the internet. So the, the ironic funny thing about me is I feel more comfortable sharing myself on the internet than I am with like my closest friends. I, I don't know why. It's the anonymity, like these people don't know you, you're not never going to see them kind of thing. So that was kind of my story. And then in college, it, you know, people knew that I was doing YouTube. I was just doing it for fun, doing, you know, music on the side. I was in a musical, you know, just, it was just a hobby. I studied business at USC. And I think this whole time, like in college, I had like seven internships. I, I, I was just like, go, go, go mentality. In, in high school, I was also go, go, go. I was in IB program, AP, all, all this, that type of person. And I felt like I was going, going, going on autopilot my entire life, just trying to achieve and do all these things until I kind of hit like a crisis and a breaking point in junior year of college. So by junior year of college, I had already tried a few different internships. I actually got fired from a couple internships because of like, I was going in late. I, I learned something about myself. If I'm not motivated to do something, I just can't sacrifice my... I just can't do it. Like if I don't like this job or this environment, I'll not want to show up and I'll start being really flaky and really irresponsible. And that was a part of me that I felt really ashamed about. And it, it didn't match like the exterior. On the exterior, I was trying so hard to hold everything together because I had always been, you know, the achiever and you're supposed to be the straight A student. You're supposed to be good at everything. But I stopped... My body started physically not working. <laughs> it start, I started not being able to push myself to wake up for class. I would stop going to class, stop going to internships, stop. I, I just even like I had a group presentation where we had to, you know, as a group, give a presentation slideshow. Like I didn't, I went late. <laughs> I, like I, I just was so flaky. And I, I think a lot of friends got annoyed at me during that period of my life. And I realized that it was depression. I realized in hindsight that I was going through a lot of internal conflict and my body was catching up to the way I had been pushing myself my entire life. And I, the biggest question looming was, what am I going to do with my life? I don't know what to do with my life. What was, what I understood growing up was you have rules and a step-by-step -step process. School gives you a syllabus. So you know how to get an A, but when it came to, so what are you going to do with your life? Like it's so open-ended that I was paralyzed. I was paralyzed because there was no one to give me a step-by-step -step guideline on how to succeed in, in real life. And that was a very big, uh, that was kind of the, the catalyst to me starting to pick up self-help books and reading books like how to find your purpose in life and what is the meaning of life? I was pondering these like deep existential questions in college when I felt like the rest of my peers were like partying and not worrying about things like this. So yeah, I felt very alone during that time because I couldn't, yeah, I, I just felt like I was the only one going through, but in hindsight, I know everyone goes through something like that. And when it was time to graduate, I just decided, like I followed my heart at that point. I was like, I know that working these corporate jobs is not right for me because I've tried it. I tried internships. I couldn't make it work. I was terrible at it. And I needed to create a lifestyle that fit me. I wanted to create a life and a career that felt fulfilling. I wanted to do something good in the world, but I also wanted it like to be abundant. I didn't like I, I wanted everything, right? But I didn't know how 
to get there. I just, I had these big dreams and this big vision of the lifestyle I wanted to live. But, and I knew that taking a regular nine to five corporate life would not get me there. So the big question was, okay, I don't know what that is, but I'm going to try to figure it out. (laughs) And so that began my journey of, okay, first I thought maybe it means pursuing music, right? So I started seriously pursuing music. I took like writing and music production courses and I, I produced and wrote an entire album. And I did an album release party. It was a big, like one of my proudest creative accomplishments. I started auditioning for like acting and hosting roles. And I I did a couple short films with my friends and just in general, like I I did a lot of cool projects. And also on the side, I I did marketing for 626 Night Market, which is one of the large, I think it's the largest Asian food festival in the US. And I joined that team when it was really early, like right at the beginning. So I grew with that. I was like the PR person making the videos and marketing. So I, it was like a period of like two to three years where I was doing, bam, like a bunch of random things at at the same time, just trying to explore and trying to see what stick. And it was a very difficult time for me personally, because this entire time, my parents were obviously not approving. My dad is very uh, conservative and very traditional. So he wanted me to take, you you know, he would want me to go to grad school. He's like, oh, what about investment banking? What about, you know, all these high paying, very prestigious types of jobs? And yeah, that's a whole other story on its own. But it, it was really me going against the grain for those few years. And also remember, I was used to being like an achiever amongst my peers. My peers were all getting like big four accounting jobs, but I was like, I'm doing music. I'm doing YouTube. <laughs> like I felt a little, there's a little bit of like shame uh, around that. Like you're doing something that is so like YouTube was weird. Like it was so like, oh, you went to school and, and now you're just going to do music. You're just going to do YouTube. So I, I had to, at that point in my life, learn to overcome caring about what other people thought of me. I had to release all that judgment. That's a journey. Yeah. My story c- can be pretty long, but anyway, so a few years of doing a bunch of random things. I, I thought music was the thing. I was performing every month, House of Blues, flew to New York to perform all this stuff. But there, I came to another roadblock where I, first of all, music wasn't working out as well as I wanted it to after two years. And second of all, I asked myself like, okay, 10, 20 years down the line, like, like, do I really love music this much to be pursuing it? Cause I, I started experiencing it for real. Like, and I hated the part about lugging my equipment from place to place to place. It's actually, there's so much like logistics and music that is not fun for a performer. And I was like, I don't even like that concept of touring. Like, do I want to be 40 years old and touring, playing music? No, that's not what I want. That's not the life I want. So again, like I, I went to my journal, which is my therapist. And my journal is how I figure out everything about myself. And I event, like long story short, I decided to give YouTube a try again. Because at that point, I kind of quit. Like, I, I thought that I failed at YouTube. My YouTube music channel didn't grow. It, it, I think it's still at like, I don't know, 7,000 subscribers or something. And it, it was just stagnant, right? So I was like, okay, this is not going anywhere. And I even like, I was so lost. I toyed with, oh, maybe I should start like a tech, uh, go into tech and do a mobile app or something. I was just, you know, at that state where I felt like I was at rock bottom. I had nothing going for me <laughs> again. But I realized I was like, hey, in these couple of years, I tried a lot of creative paths and I, I'm still alive. <laughs> you know, I'm still surviving. And I learned a lot, actually. I learned a lot about taking risks. I learned a lot about just carving your own path, all these creative skills, entrepreneurship skills. And I was like, I can share this 
uh, like this type of knowledge. And what inspired me to start Lavendaire, it was spring of 2014, was just the idea that, you know, I, even though I haven't figured my life out yet, I've learned so much in these past few years of exploring. And I want to share that. I also want to share with people that you don't have to live the cookie cutter life, the safe route that your parents or society tells you to live because I totally didn't do that. And I actually, even though I was a failure on the outside, I had a lot of fulfilling experiences and I was I was happy to have taken that route. Like I did so many cool things. I got to fly to Taiwan, live there for a month to shoot a short film. Like that was really cool. And like I had a lot of fun, interesting experiences just because I was my life was so open. If I taken a nine to five, I would never have had these random experiences in life. And I think when you're young, you should just absorb every like just just go out and explore the world because you don't want to lock yourself in a path too early because I, I, at least for me, I needed time to let myself try different things and learn from trial and error. So that was kind of how I, I, I came up with this concept. Life is an art. Make it your masterpiece, right? Your life is like people look at a canvas and I, I wouldn't say your life is a blank canvas because you start with like you start with your parents, your upbringing, you have some things that you really can't control because you started with that, right? But from what you have, you can create from there. You can be like, I want to add yellow, pink, red, whatever, you can draw a flower. So, so that was the concept of like build on top of the life you already have, but create it from there, create something beautiful, create something meaningful. And then I came up with the, the work, the term artist of life, which I still use today. But yeah, that concept was really born around 2014 when I started Lavendaire. And then that the, the Lavendaire journey has been a, a whole other story. I know I've been talking for a while. <laughs> this is really good. <laughs> yeah, but Lavendaire was a project of consistency. Because I already failed at YouTube once, I decided, okay, I know why I didn't make it at YouTube with my music. I was too inconsistent. So for this one, I'm just going to be consistent. I'm just going to make a video post every single week on a Wednesday. So I was consistent with Lavendaire and it grew really slowly the first year, first couple of years. But eventually it started to slowly, you know, grow faster and faster. And when I started Lavendaire, there was no one talking about, it was hard to find people talking about these topics on YouTube, self-love or self-help, spirituality, mindset, anyone you found what were like, I don't know, just random weird channels, maybe people in their like 40s or, or something. Everything I learned about self-help too was written, I, I recognized it was written by like white male, males in their like middle-aged white males, basically like the seven habits of highly effective people, like, you know, all, all these books that are known as classics. And I just felt like no one was doing it in a modern way from an Asian American standpoint, from a female standpoint. And so I really saw like the gap. Right. I was like, okay, I, like no one's talking about this. So maybe I can fill this gap. And so I, I, I've really seen since I started Lavendaire, this whole industry start to become more and more mainstream. Like meditation was so weird back then. I would not tell my friends that I meditated. Right. I would not tell my friends I did Kundalini yoga. Like it's weird. Right. But now it's so mainstream. Like goop made so many of these weird spiritual things mainstream. And yeah, like, so I'm the type that's, I've always been really open minded and into these like weird, things and and being afraid to share that with people but lavender gave me an outlet to start to share what i've learned and kind of express all of those things <laughs> and and guide and guide other people along this journey if they are also feeling lost in their 20s yeah oh my gosh eileen so that was amazing and yeah. there's so much to break down there 
I can definitely talk I about your talk about <laughs> there. Yeah, and we will get into that too. Yeah. We have, you know, the whole hour, but yeah. we are just so impressed. Like you have done so much and have come so far. And I can definitely tell that you're a very creative person just by the way that you explain things, the analogies, artists of life, you know, the canvas and everything. Yeah. You are definitely a very creative person. I think there's a few takeaways that I got from just, you know, what you had told us. Being an introvert, I'm also an introvert and it's hard to express yourself in person sometimes. And I think you were able to find that outlet to express yourself on social media, on YouTube, on videos, because there, there is that like feeling of like, oh, no one really knows me online. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like you can express yourself that way. And not really have any shame or feeling of like embarrassment or anything like that. The fact that you mentioned that you were unmotivated going into the office and when you were an intern, I'm also the same way. It's like if I'm unmotivated, if I'm not like doing something that I'm passionate about, I become very unmotivated too. Like yeah. I start like waking up later. I'm like kind of like dreading getting out of yourself. Yeah, and I know a exactly. lot of people, a lot of Asian Americans are really good at forcing yeah. themselves. And <laughs> they will do that the rest of their whole lives. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it's like for others, it's like it's it's so dreadful. And yeah. I just don't know if I could like do that for the rest of my life. Right. And the fact that you didn't know what it was that would make you happy you knew that it wasn't sitting in an office, right? But you were determined to find what it was to make you happy. Some people never find that. And it, you just kept going. I think the common theme is like, you had a lot of roadblocks, much like everyone else does. Like we, we have roadblocks, we have speed bumps that we just come across and some things may not work out, right? But you always found a way around it or you always found a way to like look at the positives and you just kept going. And that's what I love so much about your story. And throughout this whole process, like, I want to know what did your parents think about it? Because you mentioned that your parents are very strict and, you know, your father, you, I think yeah. you, you said that he probably had planned for you, but you didn't really go with that plan. And I want to know mm -hmm. what they thought of it. Yeah, it, it's a complex story because my dad, even though he is very conservative and strict and overbearing, he actually like he, he separated with my mom and he lives in China. So he lives in Shanghai most of the time. And just coincident co conveniently, the time when I was going through the most difficult time in my life, he came back to visit, which is why his pressure was also very overbearing. But yeah, my dad was always the very strict, high expectation a reason for a lot of my the way I why I achieve so much is kind of what he put the pressure he put on our family. And I, now I understand where it comes from because he's traumatized too from his experience. But it, in my experience, it, there was like the power element where he, it just felt like he was like the most powerful thing in our family. And we had to listen to everything that he said. And also like slightly like fearful element where if you don't do what I tell you, I'm going to cut you guys off. I'm not going to support you and your mom. And like there was a lot of um, it is fear based, right? It's like controlling people based on fear. And the, yeah, so so I felt like that was difficult. My mom is actually not strict. My mom is very soft and fluid and very like she's she's loving and she'll support us but she's also very fearful because she operates under the just you know she has her her own issues where she operates from fear and worry she's a worrier she gets stressed about everything all the time so just the fact that i wasn't you know i didn't have a job that was scary for her so in, so it's not that she was strict and yelling at me but she was just scared and worried and you know that energy is not 
not good. And so I really do feel like the beginning few years of my career was me trying to prove them wrong. Like I had to succeed at all costs because I needed to prove my parents wrong that I could do it on my own, that I didn't have to follow what they said, that I, you know, all of these rebellious thoughts and, and mindset. And, and that's not healthy either, but it worked. Like it, I, I see trauma as a way it, it takes you from place to place. And then once you don't need it anymore, you can release it. And then you realize that you didn't need it in the first place. And that's how I feel about my success journey is that I was striving, 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 trying to prove my parents wrong, trying to prove that I can do it, trying to prove my worth essentially. And I, and that's a huge thing. Like I think people tie their self-worth with their success, their self-worth with their productivity. And a lot of people don't even rec recognize that they do that. You know, we're it, in our school systems, you get a gold star, you, you get rewarded for getting an A. And so we tie, oh, that's my worth. I'm only worthy if I achieve. I'm only worthy if I get an A, blah, blah, blah. And if, if I'm successful. So that, yeah, that journey led me to find success. And eventually, once I got to a point doing YouTube where I was making good enough money, I was making six figures, I had a million subscribers, but I was still pushing myself so hard. And I was like, why? Like I have enough money. Like I, I, I don't know. I, I enjoy my life. I'm really happy with everything that I've built. I'm proud of myself. Why am I still stressing out? Why am I still pushing myself so hard? And then I, I just realized it comes, it's so deep ingrained in who I like just from childhood, from wanting to prove myself and my worth. And, and so that, that's like a conversation about the deeper level, like under success. Wow. I mean, thanks for sharing that too. I feel like a lot of us who are, you know, overachievers most of our life are, we have that problem, right? How much is enough? When do we yeah. stop? When do we yeah. stop to smell the roses? I feel like when you're an entrepreneur, you can't help but think about your business all the time, right? Because there's also that fear too. What if I stop and everything crumbles? Yeah. Yeah. Right? I had to deal with that fear for a while and learn to, yeah, yeah. To, to work through it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Especially as an influencer, because your job is so, it, it goes up and down the views, the followers engagement goes up and down. You really don't have control. Even the algorithm can change one day and it can erase so much of what you've built for a few years. And so that it is really scary. And that's why a lot of influencers and entrepreneurs have anxiety. <laughs> and so recent, the re more recent years have, has been me learning to release that sense of like control and release that anxiety so I, I can live at peace whether things are good or not good yeah that's that's a great advice especially someone like myself and maggie like we just don't stop we're like okay like we have a new idea let's keep going let's keep going right yeah like and going, it's great oh. if you're inspired right it's it, i think i'm not saying productivity is wrong or doing things is wrong it, it's great when it comes from like a true honest place in your soul where you genuinely feel inspired and energized to do it and then there's the other place where you feel like you're pushing it to be forcing it and it's coming from a like you're tired and you're depleted but you're like oh my god i have to do this you know oh because i set this goal or i committed to this i have to do this like that feeling of dread that's where it's not from a healthy place yeah i couldn't agree more and just going back to your points uh, earlier in the podcast, my biggest takeaway from that is that you are ahead of your time, right? Thank you. <laughs> that's, that's, my big, that's my biggest oh my takeaway. Gosh. Thank you. Because being a YouTuber and to give our listeners more perspective, this is like during the recession, yeah. right? Where having a job is extremely important. It's true. It wasn't, wasn't like freelancing for most people, like freelancing and like doing YouTube for most people wasn't even an option. It's it like the riskiest no money thing ever. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't give up, right? And I'm glad you kept pushing through because that is how success is, 
right? You're not going to see success right off the bat like our generation expects. You're not going to see it a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, but you will eventually see it if you're consistent enough, right? Because over time, the idea is that you get better at what you do and you get more involved with how you do things, right? So I think that the key success is consistency and awareness. So much of it is also your mindset too, like believing that you're going to succeed, believing like I had to believe so hard that I was going to be a successful YouTuber because nobody else believed in me. I had to believe in myself because if, if you doubt yourself, then you're already holding yourself back before even starting, right? Yeah, so much is the mindset, but it's also building the habits of like consistency, showing up consistently, even sometimes if you don't feel like it, or even if you're, if you feel like it's not going anywhere, because if you go back to those early three years of starting Lavender, it didn't seem like it was going anywhere. (laughs) And anyone that I met with, like they would ask, Oh, what do you do? And on the, like, there was a part of me that's like embarrassed because I'm like, Oh, people like my YouTube's nothing. But then there's, but then I would always answer people like I'm a YouTuber. And I would, I think I had to like fake it till I made it. Like I would have to be like, like present yourself as if you're already successful, even though it's, you know, <laughs> it's not 100% true, but if you have to believe it so hard that eventually you, you do make it work. Yeah, I, I believe in that statement too. What was a turning point for you where you're like, now you don't have to fake it until you make yeah. it more. You made it, right? It was a turning point. Okay, I, I think 2018 was a really turning point year because I think anything before that felt like I was still like not there yet. So I started 2014. Yeah, I started, I I would say money started trickling in around 2016 with like small, small brand deals. But 2018 was the year like I signed with a manager. I was doing a lot of brand deals. I think it was, that was a six figure year. And I, what was more important than like the money and the numbers really was that the YouTubers that I had looked up to, like this whole time, they started to know who I was. They started to recognize me, like the Michelle Fonz, Jen M. Shameless Maya, like all of these YouTubers that I watched for years, they started like they were following me, watching my videos, commenting, and even inviting me to their events. And if you guys, yeah, I feel like you guys might have interviewed Jen in before, have you or no? Not yet. Okay, no, no, that's no, but, <laughs> but we you have know Michelle fan uh, before. Yeah, Michelle, oh, I, so yeah, they're. I really looked up to those because they're like the pioneer Asian women in YouTube. So it meant a lot to me that I reached a point in my career where like my idols knew who I was. And that was like, okay, this is a turning point. Like I am living my life now. Like I was really proud of myself. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I used to watch Michelle Fon's YouTube videos and I would like copy them and just sit through the whole video trying to copy like <laughs> yeah. her makeup tutorials. Yeah. And it's just so she's amazing. A pioneer. Yeah, she's definitely a pioneer. But mm-hmm. for you to go through that experience and, you know, watch videos of, you know, people like Jen Im and Michelle Fan, and they actually, you know, were able to get to know you through your videos as well. That must have been such a fulfilling feeling. Yeah, um, it was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> And so with, you know, the, the climb of like getting more followers and subscribers, you know, you're, you have a community now, right? You have this community of followers who look up to you and comment on your post and content and everything like that. And I know that can feel like a lot of pressure sometimes, right? You constantly have to put out content. Did you go through any sort of burnout at that time? And if so, like, how did you overcome it? Because for a lot of content creators, those numbers can mean a lot sometimes, right? You're trying to constantly get to those numbers. You Maybe you had a video that went viral one day and then the next day, you know, the next video doesn't. So did you go through any burnout and, you know, how did you overcome that? 
I feel like every creator, if they've been on a platform long enough, has gone through burnout because social media is tiring. It never ends. It's 24-7. And the thing that it is so exhausting as you, you work hard, you create a video and you're proud of it. And then you have to do it all over again, all every week or, you know, depending how often you upload, but it, it is tiring to crank out and try to be creative like that consistently because true creativity is, it's not like a machine, right? And so it is difficult. And I, I have gone through many bouts of burnouts and I feel like I so many things I could talk about, but in, in the recent years, I would say starting 2019, I was really burnt out after 2018. So maybe 2019 was the first year that I started to slow down. I started posting less because up until that point, I was really strict with my weekly upload schedule. And 2019 was the first year that I started breaking that consistency and being like, okay, I, I need to not be so robotic with this. And I need to give myself time to just breathe, you know, let just... Yeah. So I stopped being consistent as consistent in 2015 or 2019. And then I actually took like six weeks to travel, like in the fall of 2019, where I went to Bali. I did a solo trip. I did a lot of yoga, meditation, breath work, healing during that trip. And I just needed just time. I needed to travel more. I needed time for myself because I was so burnt out. And I, I feel like the burnout, like the burnout was catching up to me. Maybe it's age, maybe it's just been like all the years of pushing, pushing, pushing. But since 2019, like ever since then, I really have been working on healing and releasing the part of me that needs to push so hard, the part of me that cares about the numbers, the part of me that is so, you know, tie my self-worth is so tied to the success of YouTube and my channel and my business because it's, yes, creators can get so tied up with the numbers that your emotions and your anxiety goes up and down with things. You can go viral. It feels good. And then the next week, next month, like things seem to go down and then you get anxiety. Like, is this it? Like, is it all going to come crashing down? And it is just a never ending roller coaster. And so that's not fun to ride for the rest of your life. And I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to live like this. Like I should be enjoying, I, I'm living my dream life, right? I have what I need, everything, but why is my, like my, my mental health was still suffering. And so I realized okay, I need to exit this. I need to find peace. <laughs> I need to find inner peace so that I don't care about external success. I need to find internal success, internal balance. Yeah. I mean, thank you for putting that out and staying so transparent with us. That is what we need to hear. Right. And I feel like it's something that still today, not a lot of creators talk about is, is that sense of feeling of when is it, when did we slow down to like enjoy ourselves and enjoy our yeah. life and yeah. take care of our mental health, right? Because it's, it isn't healthy to like focus on the numbers for like 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. <laughs> you know? That sounds not yeah, fun at all. And it, cause when you're in that state, it becomes a never ending chase, right? It just, you reach a certain goal and then you're happy for maybe a day. And then you're like, oh, what's the next goal? And then the next goal and then the next goal. It's an, it's never ending. And that chase is never going to bring you true happiness or fulfillment. It's just temporary happiness. So yeah, spirit, like, you know, getting in touch with your spiritual side is all about like releasing the external and finding peace. And you realize that you could have found peace and happiness all along, even without the external success. Like there's nothing you need to prove to others. Absolutely nothing. Right? Absolutely. So out of curiosity, like what, what brings you a sense of fulfillment right now and happiness? I've learned that I like I have an inner joy and I operate best when I follow that inner joy. Like sometimes that joy just wants to travel. Sometimes that joy wants to create like a really beautiful video, right? So I feel like following that part of you that lights up 
is how we should live life. Because most of the time we're pushing ourselves based on our, our mind. What are my, oh, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. Oh, it, it should be smart to do that. Let me, so most of the time we're not following like our heart and what's that light, the thing that lights us up. We're following everything else we think we should be doing. So yeah, I, I'm really learning to just follow that genuine place because because you have like an internal compass. It will guide you forward. I think people are afraid if they let go of that, like the mind that wants to achieve and wants to set goals and achieve them. It, people are afraid if they let go of that, then they're not going to do anything in life. I think that's their fear. Oh, I'm going to fail. I'm going to be a nobody, blah, blah, blah. But I find that like change is natural. Change is constant. Even if you're not trying to change, you're going to change. <laughs> so, so you can follow, like you can ride change from like an honest, genuine, joyful place, or you can like try to force your life to change, which is what a lot of people try to do. But, but there's like an internal difference between those two things. Yeah, I think you put it together really beautifully. And I think a lot of us, especially in the Asian community, we're often told we should be this or we should be that. And especially like growing up, our, a lot of our parents had told us like, you need to be this when you grow up, you need to go into a specific career. So as we reach like a certain age, we're always told what to do. We're always given these directions and instructions and then realizing then that that actually doesn't make us happy, right? Or oftentimes we tend to think, oh, I should be doing this because this makes me happy or I just want to, you know, close this deal that'll make me happy. Oftentimes those are not the things that make us happy. Like we want inner peace that makes us happy, right? And at the end of the day, it's like some other underlying factor that will give us that inner peace, not like the next deal that you're able to close or anything like that. It's what really makes us happy internally. And for us to like seek that is very important. Yeah. And just keep in mind, like your parents love you. They want the best for you. They're just trying to guide you based on what they wish they did themselves or maybe what they wanted for themselves. And so it's not coming from like a bad, they're not trying to ruin your life. <laughs> they're trying to help you in their way. But like, you know yourself, you're the one living your life. You can't let other people tell you how to live your life. You can listen, you can take it as guidance, you know, just you are basically the filter, whether you want to take it in or whether you want to just set your boundary and not accept it because not everyone's opinion is right. You shouldn't listen to what everyone says, which is how I used to be. Literally, I was a people pleaser. I would listen, you know, I'd be pulled in all directions, but you have to connect with your true self, like your internal sense of like direction. You have a compass within. So tune into that and get like grow, grow that part of yourself so that you know, when someone is telling you something, you, you'll feel, okay, is this right? Is it, should I not listen to this? Like you'll have a better sense. Yeah. Like your intuition will definitely mm -hmm. become stronger. So I would love to learn about your stationary line. I want to know like what brought you to create something like that? And just like going into like the Instagram and like looking at the content for your stationery line, it's like, it's so aesthetically pleasing. And you don't see a lot of stationaries that are like, you know, all about wellness and, you know, making sure that you look after, you look after yourself and, you know, making sure that your mental health is good. So I do want to know like what brought you to create that stationery line. And now you've expanded to like different products as well. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. I mentioned that journaling is a big part of my, my journey and helping me get to where I am now. Cause I feel like journaling is one of those ways to build your intuition and your connection with yourself and journaling. The key to good journaling is like asking the right questions, right? Asking the right questions can reveal different parts of 
yourself and you're like, oh, like that's how I feel or that's what's blocking me, what's holding me back. So it's such a powerful tool. And I, in my journey, I've, I've done a lot of different journaling exercises. I kind of like to create my own like prompts and my own little graphs and, and, and fill them in myself. And so in end of 2017, I came up with the idea to kind of put these exercises all into this digital PDF. I called it the Artist of Life Workbook because it was essentially your guide to figuring out who you are, what you want, and, and creating that step by step, meaning like every month you can set your goals for the month and then track your habits for the month. Like it was basically a system of all the things that work for me, all the things I learned from books and just all every, like all the knowledge I could distill into like an actionable workbook I created into that digital PDF. And that the reason why it has to be like a workbook for people was I realized self-help, like I could only teach so much through my videos. Like I can teach a lesson, but I don't, but everyone's path is so different. So like, it's so nuanced. Like you kind of have to figure it out for yourself. Like I can't tell you what to do. You have to figure it out yourself. I can only give you the frameworks and the guidelines and the exercises. So that's what it was. And after people, after it launched, people were like, oh my God, I would love to buy a physical version. Are you going to make a physical one? And so because of that, and also the the fact that my boyfriend was working in the industry of like e-commerce, sourcing, manufacturing stuff from China. He was like, you know, I, I could find a way to get these made for you if you want to make it physical. And that's how it started. <laughs> so I started, just, I ordered like a small batch of like 100 workbooks the first year, sold out of that. And then every year I just redid it and upgraded the the look and feel of it. You know, we, I don't know, just it, the quality and the content upgrades every single year. And it's been... I don't know how many years, but since <laughs> 2017 was the first year that it came out. And now it, the shop has evolved because every year I kind of add a new product. Oh, let's add a daily planner. Let's add a weekly planner and, and this and that. And so, so I, I really enjoy designing products for the shop. And, and yes, it is different than normal stationery because I infuse the personal development, self care element to it because that's a huge part of my channel. So everything starts with an intention. All of our products are made to be like the guide to help you create your dream life. Like your workbook is like your best friend. Like if you're feeling lost, you turn to a page and you there, there's an exercise for you. If you're dealing with fear, there's an exercise for you. So it, it really is a tool for to empower people in their lives to, to be an artist of life. And, and I'm really proud of, proud of the shop. Um, yeah. Yeah, I love it. I mean, hearing you talk about it and like hearing your story on the podcast, I can see that this, this product that you created is an extension of yourself. Oh yeah. Right. It really is like your, your personality is so reflected into this product. And yeah. I myself, I'm also a really big journal. I journal a lot as almost every day. And I, I can almost attest that that made a huge difference for my mental mind state. Right. Cause a lot of times I feel like we ourselves already know the answer. And we know like what we want to do, but it's always clouded by our parents' judgment, our peers' mm -hmm. judgment, what society potentially thinks of us, what's the random guy on the internet thinks of us, you know, it's like things like that. But I feel like essentially you, you already know who you are inside and you just have to like be more aware to bring the part out. So, I mean, I know we're running out of time, but I have one burning question, right? Mm -hmm. And I want to, and to me, I consider you very experienced, old school, like YouTuber. How have you adapted to like the newer platforms like TikTok and yeah, Reels? And question. I feel like a lot of YouTubers who oh, started yeah. earlier is they they have trouble adapting to like the newer platforms, right? Yeah. But I want to hear from yeah. your experience. What what is it? 
there's different angles you can come at with this because as an influencer, I, I remember when TikTok was musically and people were already encouraging you to get on it. So I did get on it. And I think some like, obviously it's good to be an early adopter and some people did do that, but just in, in the bigger picture, it's exhausting with all these different platforms as an influencer because you're, you're so used to, for example, YouTube, you're used to creating horizontal videos. You're used to creating longer videos. And then now everything's vertical. Now everything's short. It's a completely different format. To be honest, it's, it's a different way of thinking. And so it is difficult for me. And for a while, I really struggled with TikTok. I really struggled with, oh, I have to make more videos on it. Oh, I have to grow on it. And, and, and there were times where I did kind of be consistent. I did kind of do well on TikTok. And then times where I just gave it up. And, and I had to allow myself to, to not be good at everything because as an influencer, it's exhausting trying to be on all the platforms, right? It's impossible 24 seven. You're the guidelines. You're, you're okay. Upload like an Instagram reel, TikTok, four Instagram stories, a YouTube video. Like there's so many pieces of content that you have to think about and create and it takes up so much energy. So my viewpoint and everyone's different, but my viewpoint is really just know what you're the best at <laughs> and dominate that. And so for me, I'm really the best at YouTube. And another angle that I thought about was the way these new social media platforms are, it's so um, short attention span and there's no loyalty. You scroll TikTok, you scroll Instagram reels now, and they're people that you don't even follow. You maybe you laugh at it for like, you know, five seconds and then you scroll on to the next one. If you really like them, you might follow them. But even if you follow them, do you actually go back to their page every day? No, you wait until their video shows up on your feed. And why does their video show up on your feed? Because that video specifically went viral. But influencers are creating videos every single day. Not all of them go viral. So it's a lot of work. For random, you know, you don't know when something's going to hit and there's a lot of instability and, and back to the, there's lack of loyalty with these new platforms. And I don't like that. I like building a deep, engaged, loyal community. And that comes from long form. Like there's a place for short form. Like I have fun scrolling TikTok, but do I want to be a TikTok influencer? I don't think it's not calling to me anymore. And that's the reason why I kind of doubled down. Like I put my energy into YouTube and podcasting because podcasting, if you're someone's listening to you for an hour, they're invested. Like they know who you are. They like you. If they don't like you, they're not going to listen for an entire hour. So, so doing things that are long form personally is my strategy because I'm trying to build a deeper connection with my audience. I want them to know who I really am. I don't want to have to fight and compete for virality and try to like shock people based on you know what I mean? Like there are certain things that go viral and you, not every single video is going to go viral. And with self-help, it's even harder. <laughs> so self-help is about going deep and going, you know, on that different level. So I, I've, I've accepted, I'm going to just focus more on long form. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, I'm glad that you were able to find the thing that you were good at and you just kept going. Cause I think for a lot of content creators, they have to, they always think like, Oh, I have to be an early adopter on this. I have to hop on this. There's that pressure. Yeah. There's that pressure. You try, but there's a certain point where you have to evaluate your time and your energy. Like, is it worth it? Right. And it's exhausting just like Mm -hmm. learning the algorithm for each and then it's constantly changing as well. But I definitely, you know, can see where you're coming from and agree with you that like, 
having a loyal following and community, you know, you know that they're always going to come back, right? Because they're following you because they know that your content is going to show up on their platform. With TikTok, it's just a little bit harder because it's so random, right? On their For You page. It really depends on what goes viral. And this is different for everyone because my case is, everyone's category and case is different because I have seen people who didn't do that well on YouTube, but they're super talented. And then they kind of like had a renaissance and blew up on TikTok. And I'm like so happy for them because they deserve it. Like, do you guys follow Linda Dong? Yes. Okay. Linda was... She's an OG YouTuber. Conference, yeah. She's so funny. And I love her YouTube videos. But like YouTube wasn't working out for her. I know there was a certain point she had to like go back and get a job. And then TikTok, bam, like, oh, she's doing so amazing. She's so funny. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, Yeah. Linda actually spoke at our conference this past week. So yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's so amazing just seeing like all of the different content creators find their true voice on whichever mm-hmm. platform, right? And I'm yeah. so glad that you were able to realize that YouTube was the thing that worked out best for you and you stayed there and you, you know, just kept going. So props to you for that. So we have one last question for you, Eileen, and that is if you could give one advice to an aspiring entrepreneur who is trying to get into content creation or someone who's just trying to start you know, a business, what would that one advice be? Good question. I think my advice would be you, you want to use your time wisely. Don't try to do everything at once. I think entrepreneurs just starting out are, they feel that pressure to, to do everything because there's so many people telling you, oh, you need to focus on marketing. You need to focus on this, on this, on this, on this. And it, it can be so overwhelming and it, you don't want to spread yourself too thin, but rather focus your energy, most of your energy into like building your strength and building what you're really good at because from focusing, like you want to focus your energy. It's all about like zoom, like a laser. You want to be powerful and effective at one point, whether, whether it is like Instagram or, or I don't know, it could be anything, but learn to focus where you have the most strength and also where you have the most energy. Like I was saying earlier, we all have a light within. So recognize what part of the business makes you light up and then just focus on doing that. And then for the rest, if you can delegate, great. Or like, I don't know, just find a way, or maybe you do 80, 20, if you can't afford to delegate, put 80% of your energy into the the good stuff. And then 20% on on the other stuff and let go of what you can't accomplish. Let go of the things on your to-do list that you just can't do because you have to prioritize your time. Your time is so valuable. Don't try to spread yourself too thin. I hope that makes sense. That makes amazing and perfect sense. So thank you so much for that advice. So Eileen, where can our listeners find out more about you online? Awesome. You can find me on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok at Lavendare. And then my podcast is called The Lavendare Lifestyle. And the shop, you go to shop.lavendare.com. Perfect. We will leave all of that in the show notes. Eileen, it was so amazing having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for inviting me. This was fun. Of course. Thank you, Eileen. Appreciate it. Thank you for tuning into the second episode of the Creative Visionary Series presented by Lexus. As part of Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month, we'll be celebrating the contributions of other leaders and creators in the community. Tune in on May 18th and midnight for our next episode with Emma Hong Guo, founder of Offsite, as we discuss startups and entrepreneurship.